Dear Younger Lance, don't be afraid to apply for that gig that you think you don't have enough experience for. Don't doubt your foundations. So it's your host today, June Claire, one of your Getting Grounded collaborators. And today we have Lance Kanilau, who is currently a freelancer in the camera department. Some of the shows that he's worked on were with Property Brothers, Forever Home, 90 Day Fiance, and Hell's Kitchen. And his gender pronouns are he, him, and his. Hello, Lance. How are you? Hello. I am great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. We're really excited to have you. Thanks for spending like time to be here with us. Of course. One thing that we usually start with in our meetings is just a one-word check-in of how we're feeling. So, how are you feeling right now in one word? Full. <laughs> Full. Full. In a literal way? Or is it like... <laughs> Not in a... In a food way. <laughs> just like overall in general, like full. Just full and not overwhelmed, just whelmed. You know? I like that. Just whelmed. Not underwhelmed, not overwhelmed, just whelmed. Okay. I like it. <laughs> Perfect balance. <laughs> right now, I would say I'm feeling jittery because I had a lot of coffee. Ooh. Yeah. At this time of night? For those of you listening, it's like almost 9 p.m. I do not recommend <laughs> at this time. Another thing that we do just for a sense of gratitude is state one acknowledgement from the past week and one celebration. So, for example, for me, I want to acknowledge that for the past week, this full moon energy has been making me feel very overwhelmed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of uh, emotions coming up just randomly. But my celebration is I got to see family over the past weekend. So that was nice. That's nice. Celebrate family, having my back, giving me support. <laughs> <laughs> So what about you? Acknowledgements and celebration. My acknowledgement is I actually appreciate that I can spend time alone with myself and be content. I've had a pretty busy week and have just been around people and having to like interact and socialize and for long days. And so I'm really appreciative of the time where I can just come home be by myself, not have to talk to anyone, decompress and enjoy what I want to enjoy. Just enjoy my time to myself. Wow, I love that. Such a good form of like self-love. Yeah. Wow. In my celebration, maybe it's a weird choice of celebration, but I like that when people come to me asking if they know anyone that's available for work, and I'm like, yeah, I have these people, and I reach out to them to see if they're available, they're already booked. It's a celebration in a sense that like the industry is starting to like pick back up it's a good problem to have when you're reaching out to somebody and they're already booked. It means there's more work 
that's happening and there is people for the work. Good celebration yeah. of the community <laughs> as well. It's a good sign. You hear that, listeners? <laughs> if the community is doing well, we are all doing well. All that support. It's true. <laughs> it is true. Good celebration. For those of you listening as well, this is just an exercise that we use. One of the exercises as a form of gratitude, just to reflect with everything going on. It's good to take the time to just have a moment to think about what's coming up, like what feelings are coming up for you, saying I acknowledge them, I see them, and then not letting it control you, but also acknowledging good things that happen, not like just within a day, but within a week time span. So did you graduate? Would you consider yourself a post-grad? I did. I did a couple times, actually. The first time I studied computer engineering and finished with being in, in information systems, that's when I was an engineer for a while, a computer engineer, and then I went on to be a network engineer. It was while I was a network engineer, I was like, okay, this is fine. You know, it's a normal nine-to-five cubicle job. I would go in, do my thing. And it was during that time, I was like, you know what, I want to I buy a camera. I want to get into photography. I need, a, I need like a hobby, right? I can't just have like my work, my life. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up a camera to study photography for a little bit. And I'm like, man, I'm not, I want to get better at this. So I started taking classes. So I was at the same time, I was full-time network engineer while going full-time student at the Art Institute. I had a crazy schedule of like, I would go to school from eight to noon then I would have like an hour break and then I would go to school, work from like one to 10 and then go home, go to sleep, do the whole thing all over again. Was your work in person? For work, I had to go into an office. I had, you know, my own cube. It, it was at the Sands Hotel. I guess people would know it as the Venetian Palazzo, but it's a Sands Corporation. I worked there as a network engineer for maybe five, six years or so. Whoa, okay. So like... You went to school for engine. You said engineering. I went to school at first for engineering. I did the whole like community college first for a year and then jumped over to the university. I finished that and then I went straight into working. So right out of college. Before I finished, I was working at the help desk, which is like entry level IT, answer the phone, reset people's passwords. So you kind of did that transition where you're in school and then got a job like while you're in school. Yeah, and I think... I think especially when you have a career in computer engineering, you find that you can get a job when you're getting close to graduating for those of people that are interested in doing that. Whether you want to or not, it's really up to you. Like some people like to finish school and then look for a job, but it's in that industry, in that field I was in, it was pretty easy to find entry-level work while I was going to school, which it seemed to be the case because a lot of the people when I was in the help desk when I started... I found that a lot of people also coming on at the help desk were also people that were about to finish school or just finished. I started at help desk for maybe a little under a year. And then I moved on to the tech support team where we'd go out on the field to help people that had issues. And I was there for maybe two years. And then I moved up to management of that same team. I was tech support supervisor. And then I kind of did like a lateral move to network engineer to a completely different team, but still within IT. And then I was there for maybe three, four years. And then the last 
year or so of that, I was going to school. So what was the pivotal point that got you to say, oh, wow, I want to go into film? This was at the same time where I was working full time and going to school. On the weekends, I would help the other film students shoot short films, like just in their apartment. We would just be like sitting around at a table. We're like, let's go. Let's just think of an idea and shoot something. Like, yeah, this horror movie sounds cool. And we could shoot it like right here. And we'd come up with the idea in like a couple hours. We'd write it out. We'd shoot it. And we'd put it, you know, we'd put it up on the internet. They were really bad, right? There was, there were student films made in like a day. But like that was, that was when I was like, man, I kind of, I like doing this. I like collaborating and coming up with an idea, executing it, and then shooting it. So what's your YouTube? How can we find these videos? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have some like, I don't know if they're still on there, but I had like video essays I used to do. The instructors at the Art Institute, they give you the option of doing a traditional report where you stand in front of the class, you present your PowerPoint, read the bullet points, the traditional way. Or they said you can do a video essay. I had to do an assignment on um, a man named Milton Berle. A lot of people probably, you know, people listening to this probably wonder who he is, but he was like, the Jay Leno of like the 40s and the 50s and 60s. He was like the premier talk show host. Every movie star, every artist went through him for their interviews or to promote their show. He was one of the first talk shows that would bring on black artists to perform on his show. A lot of people don't know that because Milton Burrow is like, he passed away, I think in 2000, early 2000s. He's been gone for quite a while, but his show was insanely popular. What was the name of his show? It was the Texaco Hour. But then I think later he changed it to like the Milton Burl show. But it, it used to be called the Texaco Hour. Basically, while you're going to school, was it that you had a hobby? Like you just got really interested in a hobby with film and then that made you decide to go to film school? It wasn't that I was unhappy working as an network engineer. I, I feel like a lot of like younger people that are still like, oh, I'm not sure what I should do. I'm told I should do this and this makes a lot of money. So I'm going to go study that. Mm-hmm. So they go do it. I'm told like I should be in finance. So I'm going to go study and be like a financial analyst or something. Right. I kind of fell into that route. I'm like, okay, you know, this makes sense. And like when I was young, I was real, I messed around with the computers a lot. I had a pretty good knack for it. Right. I was always fixing my computers or whatever. So it, it felt natural to me to do it. And so that's the path I went. And it, like I said, it's not like I wasn't happy doing it, but when I started collaborating and making films and short films and just little skits and being able to come up with an idea and put it together on to video, that's when I was like, man, I, I wonder if I could like make a living with this. I wonder if I could transition to this and do this full time and somehow make a living that way. Yeah, I totally get that. I feel like, or with me, I'm Filipino. And so it's either you go into IT or you go into healthcare. It's something I've always wanted to ask, like if you're listening to this and you say you're a nurse, did you always want to be a nurse? There was one time, I won't mention who it is, but it was, it was another cousin of mine who I asked, are you happy being a nurse? He's like, no, I, I don't really want to be a nurse. So I was like, what, when you were five and someone asked you what you wanted to be, or even when you were like 13 and you knew what you wanted to be, was it a nurse? And they answered no. And they actually wanted to be a chef. They loved making food and that's what they wanted to do. It's really important to know that you're going to be happy going into the field you're going into. I think you took a really good route. 
where I currently am still in the same position where it's like, how do I make my passion into something that's also monetary? Right. We're getting to that point where we're like an adult or we have to, or we're at a point where we have to just figure out what we want to do and not feel lost. Right. So I think how you did it, where you, you were in the IT department and then you did your hobby on the side you had that transition between where you're doing it both. Yeah, that's not to say it was an easy transition. What were some of the difficulties that were a part of that transition? At least for me, it comes down to a point where it's like, if you really want to do this, you're going to have to quit your current job. I got a little bit lucky in the sense that the SANS was going through a reorganization, which means they were, you know, the whole like tree of jobs that were available, they were basically wiping that out and creating a whole new tree of what positions are still going to be available and still exist. I guess when a company does that, you have the option to leave the company on good terms. And so I was like, okay, this might be the one shot I can do it without saying like I quit. And so I did. And when I did that, I went to school full time, even more than I was doing before. Did they give you a notice to prep like, hey, we're going to be rearranging the company. We'll give you time to think about it. Yeah, basically that's what they did. We're going through a reorganization. You have the option to stay and you may or may not have to reapply for your job or you have the option to leave and you can get your severance pay and you'll leave on good terms and you know, it won't be considered like you were fired or anything like that. That's a big decision to just say that you don't want to go back and then fully pursue film did you have like backup plans in mind did you do like prep work saying like okay I'm gonna be not working I did have a little bit of savings but a lot of that went into school and then some of it did go into like paying for a bit of starter gear for filmmaking which some of it I actually still use now so it's good to know especially for filmmaking what kind of gear that you're gonna have that's gonna last you a long time that you can still use years years and years for film was that starter gear for school or was it for you to explore like expand your knowledge it was both i ended up using some of that gear to shoot some things some projects for school and some things outside of school like some personal projects or some other shorts and skits i would make together with other students or with other friends What are some of the recommendations that you would suggest for someone who wants to start out in film and, you know, with the coronavirus and everything, there's a whole bunch of like online courses and opportunities to learn. Right. I mean, the thing is, are you referring to like how to learn how to make a short film or like what? Both the tools that you use and also like what are some places where you can learn was school the only way that you learned? Did you look into different software programs, YouTube? or School was the primary way I learned, and it is a great resource. But I think even in just like the last five to ten years alone, the resources you have online are so good that like I, I wish I knew about those before. There's so many channels now that are like how to get, you know, how to get their shot the way you want it, how to how to study light. And I think it's it's very important to have a good foundation and understanding of light, which in school, like you get that and you get a really good hands-on approach and you build a really solid foundation because you're right there with the instructor. 
and they're showing you how to light something or how sound works in a certain environment. You just have the person in front of you. You can get the same knowledge, but you have to watch a video, then you have to do it yourself, and then you have to put it into a timeline or you have to put it into like a nonlinear edit. Like you have to put it and then practice it yourself and then you'll understand what you did wrong and how to make it better next time. It might take a little more effort and it might take a little longer versus like paying tuition and then learning from someone in person. Do you take time to like, because of course technology is like advancing and you have to keep up with everything. So how do you get those resources? Like how do you stay up to date with all of those since you can't go back to school every year to learn all the updates, right? So how do you keep updated with everything? It kind of depends on where you want to go inside of production. Especially with me in the camera department, I kind of have to be on top of a lot of different cameras coming up and a lot of different camera knowledge. What does this camera do versus this camera? And a lot of times I'll, I'll get a call and they're like, hey, do you know how to set up this camera? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, because I've set it up a hundred times before, or maybe I've set it up once or twice before, but like, I, it's not a camera that's used very often, but I do remember it. Has there been like a situation where they're asking you to do something, but you didn't know how to do it, and then they would teach you like on set? That tends to happen more on like low budget sets, and low budget sets tend to be more attractive to people that are just trying to get into the industry. They understand, you know, like, hey, look, normally, like, a rate for, like, a Hollywood movie for a camera system would be, like, $600, $800 a day. That's, like, working on a Warner Brothers lot with, like, a $20 million budget movie mm-hmm. and your camera system is in the union. But a lot of times they're just, like, hey, I'm shooting this short film. Some of the actors are just, like, straight out of drama school. Or like they're still students in drama and they want to like get their face into more films. I can only pay you like a hundred bucks, but will you come in onto my set and help me out? I've done the whole range of different things. Like I've done the whole like, hey man, I can only like buy you lunch. Do you want to come help me shoot this for the afternoon or something? And I'm, yeah, and then I've done the whole like, yeah, so it's a Hollywood movie. The budget is like 800. Is that okay with you? And, you know, we'll provide you this, this, and this. You'll get a break every hour. Like, I've done the whole range of work uh-huh. that a camera assistant can do within the camera department. The starter for people to beginning for like for postgrads or even if you don't go to school to study filmmaking, just get on set, you know? There's a lot of good resources. I used to use a site called Staff Me Up staffmeup.com you can make a free account and they're always looking for production assistants if you do get on as a production assistant you're not going to be handling cameras they're not going to hand you the sixty thousand dollar light to set up but you're going to be around the people that do know that you're going to be working directly with them you're going to be around them as a production assistant you're probably going to be like getting people's lunches doing coffee runs but you'll come back on set and the camera department might be like, hey, can you just, can you go over there and hand me this tool? I need your help. I need another hand or something. You'll be around it. And especially when it's um, a low budget set, you'll be around people that are more like understanding that are like, hey, I have some time if you wanted to learn about this or something. You, you have more time to network. And there are people more open to networking on low budget sets or student film sets. How did you get into your very first gig? My very first gig 
was a car commercial for Hyundai. I remember I had a friend already that was a production assistant on it. He did a whole different route than I did. He was just like, I want to start working on movies and I'm going to just start making phone calls. He got himself in there through kind of like a brute force way. Like, I'm just going to teach myself. I'm not going to do any kind of schooling. He didn't do a traditional university lecturing or anything like that, right? He went straight on set as a production assistant. This is when I moved back. I was actually at the Art Institute of uh, Philadelphia on the East Coast for a little bit. And I just finished and I moved back. And I was like, man, I don't know anyone here because I've been working in the last three years in Philadelphia trying to network there. So I knew a bunch of people there, right? Yeah. I was an intern for uh, Comcast there for a little bit. And I made a lot of great network connections there who I still talk to like now to today. So I came back to Vegas and I'm like, man, I don't know anyone, but I know this one guy who was a production assistant or might be doing production assistant work. So I hit him up and he's like, actually, yeah, I, I do. I have a, we are looking for more production assistants. And I came on a side, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. I, I knew I needed a tool belt or like some kind of belt to like put tools on. And I just grabbed my dad's, like, it was the one you use for the drill. And I was like, whatever, I need something, right? I just need a pouch that holds stuff. <laughs> so I went and uh, it was fine. It was, it was like an overnight shoot. It was crazy. We closed down the strip because we were driving cars to the, to the Las Vegas strip. And uh, I learned a lot. I actually learned a lot that day. When you first set out, you're just overwhelmed with like so much information. You kind of have to like not let yourself get overwhelmed with how much you're trying to take in. That seems like so much fun. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, come join us as like a production assistant. And then did you do like go into paperwork, do emailing? Like how is like the process? Most of the time how it works is someone from the production company will reach out to you. Usually like a coordinator or producer. And they're going to be like, hey, I got your name from so-and-so, which is how they contact me. They're like, hey, I got your name from your friend. We're looking for a production assistant for X amount of days. Usually they'll say, hey, this is the rate we have to offer you. Are you available? Do you want to take the position for this amount of time? And you go, yeah, I do. Or you might have a chance to discuss rate and get paid more. It depends on a lot of different things. And then once you agree to it, then you start the paperwork from there. And especially in our industry, it can vary. You might be a 1099 position which is like you will work and then you'll send an invoice for the work you did after yeah. or for that week, right? Or it could be a staff position where you have to fill out a time card and you say, I work this X amount of hours and this is the rate you pay me for each hour. And I'm guaranteed to be paid for at least 10 hours, even if I only worked eight or even like I'm guaranteed to be paid this amount of hours, even if you cut me at four hours. Something you have to be um, very wary about, especially if you're just... If you've been in the industry and you want to try to move up, definitely read over the paperwork and go and study what someone that is offered your position should make, depending on the type of production you're in. Reality TV tends to pay usually the lowest, mm -hmm. but it tends to be the most available kind of work. Independent movies tend to pay very low, but those are the ones that you can get your feet wet. Those are the ones where you can really earn your experience. Those are the ones where like, you're more likely if you're learning something, you mess up, it's a little more for forgivable. 
And then you have like the higher budget ones, which are like commercials or higher budget Hollywood movies mm-hmm. where it's like, you have to be ace. You have to get on top of it. You have to be no mistakes the, the whole time. Going into the film industry, when we talked before, it was like gig after gig and you have to try to find gigs in between gigs, right? Imagine having to constantly interview. That's kind of the mindset you have to put yourself into. Mm, so that'd be good to prepare. Yeah, imagine that you always have to be ready for an interview. When do you normally start planning to do your next gig? It depends on the length of your current one. Right now, I'm on a pretty long... I'm booked until December, maybe? November? It depends on a few things, right? The kind of work you want and where you are. I'm based in Las Vegas, right? So a lot of the work here is convention or weddings. A lot of the video work is convention or weddings, right? So for those of you watching if or listening, if you love just shoot weddings, you can do that and you can make tons of money and you can only do that if that's what you want to do. I actually did that for a little bit. I shot weddings maybe for the first six months when I was just trying to look for different videography work. They pay great and you could always do it. People are always getting married in Las Vegas. And that's something you could do if you always wanted to. And there's also the convention side. Corporations or businesses that come in are always needing like, can you come shoot my booth? Or I'm doing interviews at my booth. Or I needed to shoot a lecture or somewhere I'm speaking. Now times are a little different with COVID. You know, some of our biggest conventions have canceled. You know, I don't even know when, to be honest, when we're going to have another convention. I know people are trying to do videos, advertisements for their company and doing like courses online. Do you think like it would be a good idea to reach out to a company? Maybe take a shot and say, hey, I actually, videos for you? something I'm noticing a lot more lately in kind of like the buzz of our industry is people are looking for people who are good at setting up something like this, like a a video conferencing type of situation where I don't know if it's like maybe one person teaching many or even like a streaming live streaming nowadays is becoming really popular. And I'm seeing a lot of buzz out there for people like, hey, I need, I'm looking for someone with experience in setting up a video live streaming setup. You might be able to find those kind of people and go in and, and then that can kind of be your thing, right? Like I go in and help set up your live stream setup. And then if you ever need more help upgrading it or you want to change something later, like you kind of have that continued work or continued contact. Awesome. And they usually just like email a company saying, hey, I know how to do this. I'm seeing it not with just like corporations. I'm seeing it or like not with just big businesses. I'm seeing it with just individuals too. I think it's something for um, people to consider in a, in a post COVID world. Now people are trying to set up kind of something they can have just in front of them that they're able to easily use and broadcast that they need someone to help set that up. That's a good idea. That's a And that's like a good way to start for those who are, trying to get their foot in the door yeah what is one way of course our company our nonprofit, is called getting grounded so what is one resource or one tool that you use to stay grounded with everything going on with your career and just handling the whole film industry and work one way i would say to be grounded is uh 
don't forget why you started doing this. Like when I started in this industry is for video, but what I ultimately wanted to do was create and in creating what, what I wanted to base myself in was writing. I actually wanted to be a screenwriter. And so I think, don't forget why you started where you're going in the first place. Almost all my work is camera, but I will still go back every now and then and look at the scripts I wrote and still like take notes and still like just little blurbs about like, okay, this would be a good story. This would be a good story. I'll even like meet somebody on set or I'll meet somebody, what a, a new friend or something. And I'll be like, your personality would be great as a person in the story I'm writing or this, this idea of a story I have. And I would take bits and pieces of like everyone I know. And those would all become parts of a story that like I would always kind of have going on in my head. Don't forget why you started in the first place, right? So I may not have written anything in a while, but I'm always coming up with like, a st- like oh, this would be a good story. Or like the way you are acting right now would be like how I would make this character act in this story. It's not only saying take the time to remember why you started, but actually like what you're doing is applying it and remembering to go back to, okay, how can I do yeah. this with my own script? And that's like very like self-affirmative because I feel like while you're filming, it's filming somebody else's vision and like version, but you still take the time to be like, okay, what is my vision? How can I connect it to my own ideas? And really like digging deep and remembering and applying it to yourself. It's always good to remember like, why did you start doing this? What about what you're doing now made you happy? What about the career choice that you're doing now? What part of that made you happy? And for me, that was writing. That was creating characters and creating a world. Even now, if I'm not writing as much, or even if the stuff I'm writing now isn't being shot, I don't forget that Like that's why I started doing this. Eventually, hopefully, the hope is one day something I do write will become bigger than me. Someone will buy it and then we'll shoot it. Or someone will like it and they're like, hey, I want to shoot that and we'll, we'll come together to shoot it one day. And I actually do have um, a good story. I wrote a, a short film script in school and then I, uh, I finished school and I moved back to Vegas. This, I wrote it in Philly. My instructor at the time loved it. She thought it was great. But it was, it was only screenwriting class, right? And so we didn't talk for a while. Like I, I used to keep in touch with all my instructors They just for like asking them questions or career stuff. Just in general. And maybe for like a couple of years, we had talked and she moved to LA. She remembered my script and she reached out and she's like, Hey, I remember your script. Like it was something I couldn't forget or I forget the exact wording, but she's like, I want to shoot it and I want to help raise money to shoot it. And I was like, what really? She's like, yeah, it was really good. And I think we really do have something there. So she took the reins on like fundraising it. And we put it on Indiegogo. I think we raised, I think like eight, $9,000 to shoot it. And we shot it all in like three days. It was a very short script. It was only like 15 pages. And we shot it over the course of three days back in Philadelphia. I originally wrote this script to happen in New York, but like there's no way we didn't have enough money to shoot in New York. So we're like, okay, we, we did have to change a couple things to suit the budget we had but we did shoot it 
I was there on set. I actually helped uh, in the camera department, surprisingly enough, like after this was actually after I've already been working after a while. So I, I was able to like bring that set of skills to the shoot and we shot it and we put it in film festivals. And I don't know if it's in any more film festivals now. This was like over two years ago, but it was really good to hear like you, you know, you might not think that the things you're writing right now, especially for people listening to this that want to be uh, writers or maybe that are creating something that you got to wait for somebody to either buy it or create it. Just because you're writing now and you don't like it doesn't mean years from now you can't revisit it and then update it or revise it or change it to uh, make it better. If you have a passion for your work and you're excited about something, share it. Because who knows? Somebody might right. contact yeah. you years later Yeah. like, let's shoot it. Yeah. Like, oh, shoot. You know, so if you're, that's, that's really cool to hear how something that you're just working on while you're in school comes up, what is it, just two years ago? For those of you in LA that want to write, there is some really great meetup groups. I, I mean, I'm sure they're probably not meetup now because of the COVID situation. But before that, there were some really good groups of writers that would meet and you would share scripts and you would critique each other's scripts and you'd just shoot ideas back and forth. So there's a lot of good resources just in, already in LA alone. If you do want to pursue writing, it's easy to find where they are and I can help you find them if, if you need me to. Oh, you hear that? His name is Lance Canelo. <laughs> uh, we'll drop his, <laughs> his, his usernames for his social medias in our bio so you can contact him. He said it himself. <laughs> I'm an unusual case, too, in that I don't have Instagram. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, Facebook, email. I, I have Facebook. I have email. It's, it's kind of weird to have somebody working in the, in the film industry and not have an Instagram because they, you know, they look, oh, look what I'm working on. I just like to keep the work I'm doing to myself and kind of sell myself to the people who are hiring me instead of like trying to sell myself to people who only know me through Instagram. Yeah, and you have a lot of connections too. So Instagram is totally fine. You don't have to have an you don't have to have an Instagram to make connections. <laughs> so for you listen, you don't you don't need to have a great Instagram to make it it, it probably helps. I'm sure it does. But in my case it's just it's not something I feel like I needed to have to further my, my job. Really fine. My career. Everybody has their own ways, you know, and journeys on how to get there. We want to thank you very much for coming on our episode. I mean, I don't know about the listeners, but I learned a lot. I was always curious about the film industry. It's like, where do you start? How do you transition? How, basically? (laughs) And I feel like you answered a lot of those questions. You'll be put in a lot of situations where you don't know. They'll ask you something and you're like, I have no idea what you just said. but you're going to have to figure it out. There's a few times I've been asked, do you know how to use this camera? And I've never heard of that camera in my life. And I was like, yeah, because I relied on my foundation of how I understand how a camera works, right? Like a shutter opens up it lets light in. It records an image. If you have good foundations, you're going to be okay. As far as like camera work goes, if you understand lighting and, cameras and at least have some understanding and updated understanding of camera technology you're going to be okay i feel like that goes with a lot of careers just in entertainment you know like 
you have to start off somewhere, get your foundation, start your research. Like research could be the very first step if you don't know where to go. Google everything. Yeah. A lot of my foundation was just, I don't know how to shoot a horror movie, but my friends, we just all got together, had a couple beers and we want to shoot a horror movie. We did it. I was like, I don't know. Let's make this light red and put it back here. And we would watch and we're like, that's pretty good, man. That's, that actually looks like a little, like you, you learn just by doing first time for everything and even with my personal experience I used to think that jobs like you have to immediately know what that job is right when you go in but even with my current job basically everything on the job description I am not really doing (laughs) it's all learning hands-on learning as long as you're personable and you know how to research and take that initiation then I feel like you'll give yourself a really good opportunity to grow in whatever business or career you're in. Being able to adapt is really good in this industry. With the persona of just, you have to be able to do this, and that's the only way you'll get the job. For some jobs, it's, yeah, but I feel like you have to go into more of, like, what do you value in the job? And if that job has the same values as you, then they'll just click, and then it's a growing opportunity for both companies. And there's no rush into it. Like you said that it took you how many years to get to where you are right now? Like it's a long (laughs) journey. It didn't just take one year. You didn't get like the best gig in like the next day. Yeah. The whole process is, is interesting, but it got you to where you needed to be. Well, I hope you learned something. I hope the people listening learned something. What's next for you? It's actually been something that's been asked of me a few times already. Um, why aren't you a camera operator? Like you're, you're totally ready to be a camera operator. Cause most of the time I'm a camera assistant, which is the builder. I would get my hands on the camera I'd set it up. I do all the configurations. I get the lens I need and then I hand it off and then I give it to the operator. The operator's pretty much sole responsibility is to have it sit on the shoulder, frame up the shot that the director asked for and be ready to shoot. The next step is to be a camera operator. I think that's a step, though, that depending on where you want to go requires some investment. A lot of times camera operators own their own gear. They come with a kind of understanding that you have to have whatever the production asks for, whether it be lights or a camera that you already have it before they hire you or before you're brought on. And it's not always the case. There are times where you can be a camera operator, you own nothing, and the production hires you on and they rent the gear from someone else. It's not always the case. For me, that's the next step, to stop being the builder and start being the shooter. Wow, making big moves. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on Dear Postgrad. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. (laughs) Good luck, everyone. All right, guys, guys. You made it this far. Congratulations. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Dear Postgrad featuring Lance Canelao. And as always, we would love to invite you all to participate in a special challenge that is provided by our guest speaker. So for this challenge, we're going to dig deep into our inner child and create a storyboard. So for those of you who don't know what a storyboard is, it's a sequence of drawings, typically with some direction and dialogue, representing the shots planned for a movie or television production. But you don't necessarily 
need to be interested in film to do this. We're gonna be summoning our inner child. So go ahead and grab a friend, a coworker, a sibling, anybody, and create. And if this podcast or any episode of our podcast spoke to you in any way we would love to hear your thoughts in the reviews and if you do leave a review feel free to dm us we want to definitely have a conversation and personally thank you for leaving a review for us and if you feel like you're being called to take one step further we're actually launching our new coaching program called surviving and thriving in purpose so if you want to hear more about that you can schedule a 15 minute discovery call with us just go to our instagram at getting grounded community and click on the link in the bio to register for that 15 minute discovery call yeah that'll be it for today make sure to tune in for another episode of dear postgrad next week And don't forget to remember you is kind, you is wonderful, you is beautiful. Let's go ahead and take these next steps together. Bye y'all.